Good morning, church. You can take a seat. This morning's going to be a little different. Um, and um, what we're going to do is, as we were talking and praying and just saying, Lord, how do we start out 2021? You know, what's going to be different about 2021? And um, as we came together, we said, you know, we need to start out with just having an encouragement Sunday. So anyone up for that? Anyone up for just encouragement? And so, because I know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that not everybody had their fill of encouragement in 2020. I'm just guessing. Even for those streaming, anyone here, it's like, I'm just guessing that the, bound, the scales may have been tipped in the discouragement way. And so we're, what we're going to do is we're actually going to tip them this way. Okay? And so we're just, we're, we're, really what we're saying, we're saying, God, we just need you to put your finger on this scale and then it just, it just tips pretty heavily. Okay, so we're actually going to, today, we're going to start out our first Sunday together in the year of 2021 with a lot of encouragement. Okay, so hopefully um, you'll be blessed and encouraged today. I'm just going to share for a few minutes here, and then you get to hear from some folks in our church this morning. Um, uh, uh, just some, a uh, couple of testimonies and just a couple of corporate uh, words as well that we wanted to have shared this morning. And then by the end of the service, I'm just preparing everyone in the room. At the end, we're actually going to invite you to pray and prophesy and encourage one another. Okay? So if you're like, wait a second, what? Um, this is participatory. It's called church. Okay? It's not, you're not streaming Netflix. You just get to be entertained. This is part of participation. So this morning, don't worry, we're going to equip you a little bit. But we really believe we need to start out this year with saying, God, as we, as we minister to the Lord, as we praise him, as we worship, as we fix our eyes on him, he's also invited us to then pray and minister to one another, right? Because the body is actually very capable, meaning the body of Christ is very capable of ministering to itself, amen? And so it actually calls us ministers of reconciliation, right? It actually talks about how the church should be the ones to build up, to encourage, to bless, to affirm. And so that's why we harp on the need for people to gather, whether it's in discipleship or in life group or on Sunday mornings or other times, that whenever believers are gathered, right? Jesus said, wherever there's two or three, I am with you, right? So it's, it's Jesus is present there. There's something about... There's something about going on beyond the individual, right? He loves us, individually loves us, but there's something special when two or three or more gather together who are honoring the Lord, that are pursuing God, that are stirring one another up, amen? So you're in a room with more than two or three, and if you're watching from home, you're probably with a few people. If not, you can go knock on neighbor's doors and invite them over right now, okay? So I'm just going to read a couple of passages this morning, and then we're going to shift gears. One is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. And some of these passages may be um, uh, familiar to you. Maybe they're the first time you've heard them. But, um, you know, any place in the Word of God you can find, as someone told me years ago, they said, every chapter of the Bible you can find Jesus. You just got to look hard enough. You can find him. You can find the foreshadowing, you can find the prophetic declarations, you can find the nature of God, you can find them in the word wherever you turn. And in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, we have some words of encouragement this morning. Paul writing this saying, not that I am speaking of being in need, 
For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That's a good word. No matter where he's at, to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's a good word we need to hear this morning, church. <laughs> that, um, that even Paul and the trials he went through is writing and saying, guess what? I've been through the whole gamut. I've been on this side and on this side. And guess what? What I found is this place of contentment because I found that contentment in Christ. I found it in him who strengthens me, not in whether or not I've got a buffet or a few scraps, but I found it in him. And it's just a good reminder for us to say, hey, as we start out 2021, that our contentment needs to be found in him. And that's difficult because so many things are pulling on us, you know, that are saying, actually, once you get your 401k established, you'll be good. Right? Actually, once you get that promotion, then everything's going to be right. No, actually, once that guy gets his act together and finally proposes, like, it's going to be great. You know, like, once I, ha once I have this, one all those different pieces, they are helpful and they're great. I'm all about people getting married. I'm all about people getting promoted. That sounds awesome. I'm all for it. But the contentment doesn't rely in there. Right? Like, th that, that, that's like icing, okay? But the cake is contentment. It's like, oh, no, no, that's the content place. I love all those extra blessings, and man, that's awesome. But that's not where I find my source of peace and contentment. So we as a people have experienced different things. Maybe not to these extremes, or maybe you have in 2020. But you get to step into this year and say, you know what? No, I want to find my contentment, my place in Christ, because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Another passage I want you to turn to is Isaiah chapter 40. We got anyone here that loves reading Isaiah? We got some Isaiah people out there? If, if that's you, you're like, you know, you love reading like Narnia, you know? Because Isaiah could have, could have written Narnia along with C.S. Lewis. It's just kind of, it's just, wow, you know, I don't understand a half of what he's saying, but I know it's good. So you just keep reading it. Eventually it sinks in, right? <laughs> My wife loves reading it, and I'm like, babe, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so we're better together than apart. Isaiah 40, in verse 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Amen? That is God. That is, that is who he is. That's who he was 3,000 years ago, and that's who he is today. He renews us. He says, even the young men shall fall exhausted, which for context, we typically think 
like young men, like they don't have to stretch, right? Young men don't have back pain. Like young men are at the CrossFit just kind of not even watching how they're doing it. They're just like, you know, it's just like young men in our mind society is like, that's the strong of the strong. That's right. Like that's the 24, 25 year old who's like invincible. You know, they don't know 30's coming because it's coming. And at 30, you're not invincible. It's just, uh-oh, there's a, few, there's a few things there, you know? But these young men, even young men, fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And it's in the waiting. All of us need to be encouraged that in the waiting with the Lord, that's where we're strengthened. I think I may have mentioned this sometime the last month in a sermon, but just... I, I want to encourage us to take moments to just wait. The last few mornings, I've gone out in my time with the Lord and just stood uh, out on our sidewalk, and we kind of have a, a heavily wooded area, and I literally just stare at these trees for about five minutes. And I'm just staring at them. There's not leaves on them. They don't, it's not like staring at these beautiful, they're sticks, you know? But I'm staring, and I'm just kind of in awe that like, okay. Like, God, you're present. God, what do you want to say? There's not a, I put my phone away. I put, I just, God, just here I am. It's just you and me and the blue sky and these trees. And it's a little chilly. God, just say something. Yeah. And, and maybe he does and maybe he doesn't. But here's what I want to tell you. There is something renewing just by giving him the space. Do you understand? It's not that, oh, get your journal out. Lord, I need to eke out something fresh today because it's Tuesday. <laughs> you know, but sometimes we, we kind of feel that pressure. You know, I would say that's a bit of a, like a religious pressure. But just, he just wants to relate. You don't have to eke it out. It's like some of my best dates with my wife, we're just sitting there next to each other. Maybe we talk a little bit. Maybe we're just eating some cheese and crackers. Maybe we're just, uh, but it's just, I don't have to like impress her with my seven things I'm going to tell her about my day. Because I'm at peace with her. Do you understand me? We were dating. I totally did that. I had note cards. Like, what do I say to her? I mean, <laughs> I really did. Like, how, what are we going to talk about? I need to research this. She's interested in that. You know, but I, it's like, I'm at, that relationship's good. Like, it's secure. Do you understand what I'm saying? We want to be a people in 2021 that we look up and we say, man, our relationship with God is secure. I'm no longer doubting if he's really God. I'm no longer wondering if he's really there. But you press in, you give him space. And let me just tell you, whenever you give the Lord space, he is clear. And he is present. And it's going to look different. you got to give him space, though, church. We can't just keep running and running and running and running. I'm guilty of that, too. We just got to, Lord, I'm here. Put the phone away. Ten minutes. God, if it, you should go walk, walk in circles in your street or something. Just, Lord, what are you saying? Because... He who, re- he who waits in the Lord, their strength will be renewed. The last scripture I want to read to us this morning is 1 Corinthians 14. And in a few moments, we're going to have a few folks share some encouraging words and some testimonies. But in 1 Corinthians 14, I want to read this to you because, you know, um, we, we would miss it if we didn't reference this passage that is beautifully uh, captures really the heart behind prophecy. And just so you know, if you're new to Antioch or if you've been here a while or watching for the first time, 
When we say the word prophecy, we're not talking about Nostradamus, although I'm sure he had some great things going on for him. We're not necessarily talking about trying to find the modern-day Isaiah or Jeremiah, you know what I'm saying, who uh, had to do some interesting things because God told him to to get the Israelites' attention and the king's attention. Prophecy in the New Testament realm, the majority of it we see in the scriptures, the majority of we see it lived out throughout church history is for um, encouragement, right? It, it, it doesn't mean there can never going to be something else, but just so you know, as, as we live in 2021 and there's lots of blogs and podcasts and, you know, speakers uh, and people have all sorts of thoughts out there. And I would just encourage you to say, those that are speaking words of encouragement, um, like that is true prophecy. The doom and gloom scenario, that's not really the New Testament definition of prophecy. Just so you know. So that's what we believe. And so that's why I'm going to steer us to this as a really simple, basic, like all of you in the next five minutes can say, oh my gosh, I know what prophecy is. It's super simple. You ready? 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 here. Pursue love, Paul says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So just to pause. Pursue love, right? Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, right? He just said that in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Like literally the statement before this statement is, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The next line, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit. They're not conjured up. You can't go purchase them at Walmart or Amazon. They come from God and they are a gift, right? A gift is something that you don't go get. It's given, right? Salvation is a gift. Someone else purchased it, Jesus. You didn't purchase it. You didn't buy it. You didn't earn it. A spiritual gift, you didn't earn it. You didn't conjure it up. You didn't go a multiple choice, grab it from a grab bag. It, God has given it to you, and our gifts need to be pursued in the sense of, I take that to be, we need to explore and exercise them. Because I'm just going to tell you, there's not a single believer on planet Earth, and what I believe biblically says, that does not have at least a spiritual gift, if not many. They are given to you. The issue is that they're just dormant. It's like gold that needs to be dug up. And so every believer on planet Earth, young and old, even my children, they have spiritual gifts. And it's our job as the church to help mine those gifts out of that person to then encourage them to then exercise those gifts. So one thing you'll hear us saying in 2021 is we are going to be talking about how do we as the body of Christ pull together and help everybody identify what are their gifts and where can those be properly used in the service of the church, a.k.a. underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to then better the body and then the better the community around us. Because there's only 10% of the people in the spiritual gift game we're going to lose. Right? We actually need 100%. So I need 100% of our church, young people say, hey, what, to go into discovery, what are the spiritual gifts God's given me? And then those spiritual gifts are meant to be used not for your glory, but his. Where it gets off is when we identify our spiritual gifts and then we use it for our own glory or own gain, financially or fame and power, right? Um, we are a church that is saying we want to identify what are the gifts, how can we get behind you, how can we help equip you in those 
get you around other people that have those gifts so you can be sharpened, right? Just think of kind of like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. If you've been walking in a spiritual gift for a while, you're like a senior. But if you just found out you had it, you're a freshman. And so be humble enough to learn from a senior. And as a senior, be humble enough to know you haven't arrived, right? No one is like there. They don't need any other teaching or training. Does that make any sense? All right, so here we go. 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people to their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Okay? So I just gave you the biblical definition for prophecy, right? And so Paul is mentioning tongues because they were two very heightened spiritual gifts at the time. People were really clamoring over it, and there's a lot of confusion over them. So Paul is literally writing in this letter to the Corinthian church that had a lot of other issues going on, but dedicating some, some needed space to clarity around the topic of prophecy and tongues. Tongues will get into another day, but to be clear... As Paul just said, therefore your own edification, uttering to the Lord. They are words that are not English. It is something that you don't even understand, and at times there is an interpretation for that tongue. But the goal for tongues is not to be showy or to say, look at me, I speak in tongues. That's a big whoop. It's like a gift. It's like, look at me, I'm, I'm fast. Okay, great. Well, you were born that way, so quit bragging about it. I was born slow. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's literally bragging about something that you didn't go do, right? So that's all spiritual gifts. So I'm just, I'm speaking to us as a church that, hey, this is where we're going, which means every single gift matters. I don't care if it's hospitality. I don't care if it's service. I don't care if it's preaching. I don't care if it's tongues or prophecy. It all has value at this church. And we're going to do a lot of things to reiterate that to us as a church and to make that the new normal at this church to where all gifts are honored and to where even the greater gifts, so to speak, as you read back through it, they take a backseat and eat the humble pie and say, we're going to actually exalt and encourage the lesser gifts, meaning the ones in society that are more elevated than others. Does that make any sense? So we as a church want to be those kinds of people. So he says right here in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks for speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. I'll just break that down for you really briefly. Upbuilding. Another word for that could be edification. That a goal of prophecy is to edify, to build up someone. That's what Paul is defining as prophecy. So when we say, hey, do you want to pray over someone? What we are saying at times is, hey, maybe do you want to prophesy over someone? But don't get all willy-nilly about it. All it is is saying, God, I'm going to pray for Tom. God, is there anything that you want me to pray specifically for Tom versus just me praying what I think I should pray for Tom? You may work with Tom. Tom may be your buddy from college. You may know all about Tom. You go, I could pray about his dad. I know about that. I could pray about his dog. I know about that thing. I know about all that. 
But it's, it's saying, God, what is something that I'm not really aware of that you actually want me to say to Tom or pray over Tom or encourage Tom with because that's what you know he needs. And then when I share it with Tom, Tom doesn't look at me and say, oh, my gosh. He looks up and says, wow, God, you see me. Do you understand me? That is the goal of prophecy. It's not, look at that. Have you been around that guy? He likes to prophesy. Man, he's real prophety. T. No, that's not the goal. The goal is that, oh my goodness, my God really does love me and see me where I am. So much so, he sent you, random person I've never met on a Sunday before, just came up and read my mail. You encouraged me in the place where I feel most insecure. How'd you know that? Who's been talking to? God. Oh, do you understand me? That is where we are. So, if you're saying, hey, I'm like on training rules of prophecy. This kind of freaks me out. That's okay. That's what we're going to practice in just a minute. Right? No harm done. Because if you're encouraging, you can't mess up. Yeah. Doom and gloom, get in real trouble. Okay? So we're not doing doom and gloom. We're not doing any, you're going to marry that guy in four years, or I know about, don't, don't get into that stuff. You're going to get in trouble around here. We will get you in trouble. Okay? <laughs> you will get in trouble. At Antioch, you start doing the doom and gloom stuff. We will find you. Okay? <laughs> Seriously, somebody will find you. Right, we don't do that. We encourage because the Bible says it's for upbuilding, edification. The second thing he says, it's for encouragement or exhortation. To encourage. Prophecy is not only for upbuilding to build someone up in the Lord who they are, but it's also to encourage them, to exhort them to say, man, this is who you are. You're a man of God. You're ready for that next thing. And honestly, sometimes the greatest prophetic encouragements to me have been when someone's just highlighted a scripture that I was like, God, I didn't know that about myself, but I want to believe that. And I may not be that man today, but I want to become that man. Do you understand me? Like you can read a scripture and say, I may be not there yet, but it encourages you, exhorts you to say, no, no, that's who God's inviting you to step into. Be a man of faith. Be a, be a woman of peace. Be a, you know what I'm saying? That's, we step into those words. The last one he says is in verse three, Upbuilding encouragement and consolation. So, consoling the believer. Another way to say that is to comfort. Comfort. Man. Prophecy. We pray over someone. Man, to comfort them. Comfort their soul. Because, guys, we have souls, and our souls have been torn up a little bit this year. I know mine has. I need the comfort of the Lord. And I want to hear from him. But, you know, God still, for some crazy reason, still chooses to speak through people. Sinners who mess up, who make mistakes, he has enough grace in the tank to extend to us to, hey, you know what? I know you blew it last weekend, but you know what? Right now, I need you to speak a word to this person, and so I need you to listen to me because they need an encouragement, and it's going to come through you. Just read the Bible about how many messed up people God ended up speaking through and giving generations through that led up to Jesus, and then there beyond. I mean, there's a lot of messed up people in here, but God still chose to speak to them. Do you understand? He still chose to use them for his will. All right, church, so in a few minutes, just a little bit, give me a little more time to soak it in, you're going to do some prophesying. You ready? Okay. But before we do that, though, I want to invite up a couple of friends to share just a couple of testimonies on this Encouragement Sunday about what God has done in their lives. So Ted and Colton, if you guys can make your way up here. And, um, and uh, yeah, give it up for these guys. They're awesome. So I just asked them, just said, hey, is there something that's encouraged you about the church 
um, that you've experienced um, here. And because I think we just need to be reminded of the fact that, hey, the church matters. So, Colt, come on up here and we'll get Ted up here next. You got the microphone. Thank you. Y'all hear me? Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, Tyler, Tyler asked us to, you know, share something encouraging specifically about the church. Um, and kind of the first thing that just jumped straight in my head was, was bear one another's burdens and by doing so fulfill the, the law of Christ, which is Galatians 6 two. Um, and I, I can go on for hours literally about just the financial provision that I have personally received from this church. I mean, we were given like $4,000 to help remodel our house one time. Uh, I mean, I had so many letters just show up in my mailbox where it's like, oh, here's a thousand dollars to help pay for medical bills from God. And I'm like, okay, you know, like <laughs> he told one of you, you know, God downloading things and sending it out. But um, kind of more, more than, more than that, um, we also bear each other's like emotional and sin burdens. Um, and I grew up like super insecure. I'm sure that's a lot of you, um, you know, a lot of y'all's testimony just growing up really sheltered and wanting to bar yourself off. Um, and I grew up kind of projecting that onto my church of like, uh, that I grew up in of like, oh, you know, they're, they're just judgmental. They wouldn't understand me, you know, whatever. But I was just projecting my own uh, insecurity on, on that church. And so um, years later, God doing a lot of work in me, me getting saved, uh, I came here and I ended up leading a life group and um, we were going to do a men's night in our family life group. Um, and I was just asking God, man, like, God, what do you want us to do? And I feel like God just told me, like, and so this is the phrase, and I'll explain it, but he just said, spill the beans. And so just like, hey, I want you to, like, say, this is every terrible thing that I can think of that I've done in my life in excruciating detail. And so, like, like the worst, like, like, you know, we've, by the way, if you don't know this, every single one of you in here has done something that'll make your stomach turn. Uh, and, and, and so you're not alone. So that's an encouragement. Like, you're not alone. Like, we've all been there. We've all done that. And that's why Jesus came for us. Um, and so he told me to just, man, just lay it out there. So I got with my co-leader, you know, we agreed, we went down. And so I was just like, man, here's everything. Like, here's the absolute worst of me. And just got to share all of that with everybody. And literally all the way around the room, I don't think there was a single person there, maybe one that didn't say, I've never told anyone this before, but blank. And what God showed us in that moment is, is that the church is not like, we're not here to judge you. Like, like no one in here wants to judge anyone else in here. And we all, um, you know, may have this, these moments where I can't be that vulnerable because repercussion. And, and some of that is um, us before God thinking God is waiting around the corner with a stick, just ready to punish you. He's just ready to punish you. He's just waiting for his opportunity to get you. But he's not, he's not there to do that. And this is the safest place in the entire world for you. And so we got to download it that way. And, and uh, I remember sharing, and just if I can be real vulnerable with you guys, um, I had just had our daughter, um, you know, was, I think we were pregnant with our son, but one of the biggest fears I had is like, man, like, and Satan would tell me this. He's like, like, what if you grew up to be a predator someday and you hurt your daughter? And that was terrifying to me, but I couldn't even share that. I'm like, how do you even share that with somebody? You know, that's so frightening. And so kind of at the end, I was like, okay, here's my thing. I've never told anybody. I'm scared that someday I'm going to be a predator and hurt my daughter. And, and next thing I know, around the room, just organically, people just started laughing. Just, I mean, just burst it out. And, and I'm like, that's not funny to me, you know? But, like, <laughs> but it was like, you know, we started just laughing. And, and it was like, what, what it ended up happening was um, all these other guys in the room, they, you know, they, most of them have kids. And they were like, dude, I thought the same thing. 
And I'm like, it's ridiculous when you said it out loud. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, hey, you're right. You know, and like from there, we, we got healing because I shared a burden with everybody. In fact, Proverbs says, I think it's 18.1. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it says a man who seeks isolation seeks selfishness and he rejects all sound counsel. And so what we've seen, if you've been in the church long enough, what you see when people just derail themselves and, and they, they run away from God completely, one of the first things you watch is you watch them isolate themselves. And they pull away from community. They pull away from all the people that really love and care about you. And so I, I will say, I mean, like, if I can share what I shared with a group of, they were almost strangers. I mean, I knew a couple of them for a while, but they were almost strangers. And what it sparked is healing and revival. You know, I was thinking, man, okay, here, I'm about to get my just desserts. I'm going to share it with somebody, and I'm somehow going to receive some punishment for, for things that I've done in my life. And instead, I received healing. And everyone else in there received healing and because that's the heart of the Father is to yeah. heal you. And so the encouragement is, is this is a safe place. You can trust people here. And it's like, even if you've had bad experiences in the past, I would say as a whole, that's not the church. You may have had a one-off experience, and it's like I grew up thinking most churches are this way, and you find a special church. That's not true. It's most churches are good, and you'll have some one-off experiences with people that are on their own journey. And so, yeah, the encouragement today is this is a safe place, and we are here to bear each other's burdens. Come on. Amen. Woo! Come on, Ted. This is awesome. Good morning. Um, I want to share about our first Sunday here, and it was a baptism Sunday. <laughs> and, and you know, the craziest thing that I saw was I saw a bride in love with her groom. Is what I saw was a church who was willing to say yes to the Lord and no to themselves. And in all honesty, that's something that I've been seeking I didn't even know I was seeking it. And so y'all have challenged me and y'all have encouraged me by the way that you live your lives. And it, it's so easy to sometimes kind of forget and to slip away from that first love. And so I just want to remind y'all of who I saw in y'all. And I want to remind you of just what a beautiful thing it is. And so one of, one of the things that, just, just one of my simple yeses was my daughter came up to me one night and said, hey, Dad, I want to have a, a late night prayer at our house. And I'm an early morning person, and late night and early morning didn't go together well. <laughs> and so I was like, but I was like, no, I better do that. <laughs> and so I, so I said yes. And so I... I don't know how many people were there. I know Caleb was there, and Alex was there, and I think Jason was there. But they showed up at our house at 10 o'clock to start late night prayer. And that was the most encouraging thing for me. And I, I, saw, I saw the need for old people like me to be around young people like them. Because you young people have a fire in you that some of us old people have lost. And we need, we need that from you young people. And so, you know, it wasn't anything I was expecting. But it, again, it was something I received just by simply saying yes. And so my challenge for y'all is, what is your next yes? What, what is he asking you to say yes to? And, and it's only good if it's something that 
you're saying yes to him and not yes to yourself. You can't, you can't manufacture these things. They've got to be orchestrated by the Lord. They've got to be ordained by the Lord. And they've got to be brought forth by him. Otherwise, it's just ourselves doing a lot of stuff. And so just, you know, what's your next yes? Thanks, Ted. It's awesome. I just love that they get, you know, when they came on a baptism Sunday, that's like the full picture of the gospel, right? I mean, people were either recommitting their lives to Jesus or just gotten saved and were saying, I want to take the step of obedience and be baptized in front of this house. And they share their testimonies. Just, it's still amazing every time we do it. Well, hey, we want to have a couple of folks share um, just a, a couple of words. And um, uh, one of them couldn't be here this morning, but I'm going to invite Natalie to come on up here in just a minute. And my wife asked you to come up as well. But um, <clears throat> some of you guys know Matthew Abbott. Uh, he's in, the, uh, he's in the, the young adult zone. And, and he was just praying this morning and sent me this. And he said, um, as, as I was praying, um, he's, he said he heard the Lord say, I'm still here. I'm still the center of everything. I'm still the alpha and the omega. I'm still the rock where you stand. I love you. Set your eyes on me. Just the simplicity of the focus on God again. I want to invite Natalie to come on up. And she had a word as well that was um, even similar. And then Ashley will come up. And once Natalie and Ashley share then uh, we're going to go into a time we just get to pray and prophesy over each other for a few minutes. We'll get the worship going. And uh, so it's your chance to get an opportunity to encourage, build up people this morning. Natalie, go for it. Hey, y'all. Um, yeah, I was just sitting with the Lord this morning and just really sitting and listening. Uh, I feel like that's just what God's asked me to do recently. Just, as you were saying earlier, it's just so funny. As you said that, I was like, God's been really impressing that on me that not to perform or read my Bible a whole bunch to show him what I've done, but really listen. And as I sat there and listened to him, he just smiled. I feel like an impression on my spirit. He smiled and just said, just tell them that I will be with them even to the end of the age. And that comes from Matthew 28. Um, in 18 through 20, it says, Then Jesus came close to them and said, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. And I really felt like God was highlighting the fact that he came close to his disciples before he was about to leave, to really impart to them what was important. Um, and that just that coming close, that intimacy. And then at the end when it says, and never, and never forget that I am with you every day, just that every day that he draw nears to us, even if we don't see him or recognize that he does, he does. He's there right in front of us. Um, and just that it is, he's waiting for us to come close to him in return and meet with him. And just, just the simplicity and importance of that, it really is just that, just coming close to Jesus every day. That is where life comes from. That is all he wants, is us to just draw close. So, yeah. Amen. He wants to remind us that um, he's near. Amen. And he wants us to put him at the center. Again, Ashley, share a word for us, and then we're going to get ready to encourage one another. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for sharing what you shared. I feel encouraged already. And what I felt like the Lord 
was wanting to share with us this morning comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And um, it's just the word that I feel like he's given us for the year. I feel like it's the word we've had for lots of years, but it just keeps coming. And it says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And just felt like as a church for this next year, that when there are times where it feels like we need to have a wise or a persuasive word or an argument or understand things, or we need to have a good new idea or an attractive idea, as people, as the church, the Lord's just saying, no, like you're resolved to know nothing but me and me crucified and, and resurrected life through Jesus. And that that simplicity is our protection. It's our rampart and our buckler. It's our covering. It's our shield. It's, sim- it's simplicity of the gospel for us as a people, as a church. And, um, then I felt like he was highlighting just Exodus 33 when Moses is talking to God and he says, it says that God speaks to Moses like a man speaks with a friend. And, and I just feel like Moses's prayer of like, do not send us up from here unless, do not send me from this place unless your presence goes with us. And I just feel like that's our prayer. Like I'm standing with the Lord and I'm like, we're not moving one muscle unless you're with us. We're not moving one muscle unless you're with us. All we want is his presence. If there's, if there is a multitude of us or if there's 12, you know, we're not moving a muscle without his presence. And then I felt like just for us today, I felt like the Lord showed me this picture of us. He was like, clear the way, clear the way. I have a present for them. And I was like, what's the present? And I just felt like he was walking up to each individual person. He's like, I have the best gift, the most valuable present for every one of them. And I saw him just like walking up to each one of you. I wish I could walk up to each one of you and give you the present. It was like wrapped in this like beautiful scarlet, like it was an important present. It was like the thing he wanted everyone to see. And he was giving one to every single person and it just clear the way. And when every person opened up their little present, it was like a picture of his handwriting with your name written on it. Like he had written your name. And you know, when you're in love with someone, you write their name like over and over again, you know? Or your kids' names, when you're thinking about their new name as a baby, you just write it over and over and over. And he's like, I've been writing her name. I've been writing his name. I just keep thinking about their name. And I felt like it was for every single one of you. And then the last thing is it made me think of this story of this I've heard, and it actually just touched me, and I felt like he wanted me to share it. And it was of there's this village, it was like a shanty town, which is like where basically all you have is to build your house with the leftover things, like the trash. If anyone's ever been to a village that's like that, you'll remember, you'll never forget, but it's like just whatever you could find, a box or or an old 
discarded thing that you used to build your house. And the word in this shanty town was that Jesus was there and he was walking around the village. And in the story, this woman went and she was like gathering all of the things and, and all she wanted was to make her house a house that Jesus would want to come and visit, you know? But all she had to build with were was trash, like was things that she didn't feel like anybody would ever want to have as a house, you know? But she was building in this town and she was gathering all the things and she like made it the best that she could and she like left and went back and when she got there, Jesus had come and was inside and he had built a fire and was like inside of her little house and she walked in and she looked and she was like, you came to my house and he looked at her and he said, I like your house. I like your house and I just feel like that's a word for multiple people in this room today that Jesus wants you to know that he is writing your name over and over and that he likes your house. He wants to dwell in you, even if you feel like your whole house is built out of things that no one would ever want to be with. And so, yeah, and, and so I just pray that, Lord. I pray every word that was spoken, every encouraging testimony, why don't you just stand as I pray? And I just ask for every heart that needs to know your love as a father this morning, that needs to know that you're writing their name, that you're thinking about them, that you want to come and live with them, even if they feel like their house is a house of trash and that it is a place that you would never want to go. I ask, Lord, that you would break through that feeling this morning. You would break through the pain that caused that feeling and that you would show them your love. You would show them your love. And we just thank you. We honor you and we trust you, Lord Jesus. We, we believe and press into the church, to your bride, um, to the one that, that carries your glory. And we ask for you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear you as we look at one another and trust one another this year. In Jesus' name, amen.